0: We cannot, we please, I'm, I'm please, 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 please. I am on my hands and knees praying to thy Lord. We cannot keep doing this with Tom Brady, okay? He's retired. How long has it been? It's, it's been uh, basically a month now, maybe a little bit longer than that. He's retired. We're already getting rumors once again that the comeback is on, okay? We had Stephen A. come on first take, which I'm not necessarily the, the biggest journalistic program in the world, but Stephen A. does have uh, reach. He's he's in circles, so I'm not willing to throw it out completely. He said there are there are rumors going around that he is uh, not out of, you know, out of question for having a comeback and we can't keep doing this. OK, just here's the thing with Tom Brady. All right. Look, he's still fantastic. He didn't. I mean, he had a good year last year, not a fantastic year. He was 45 years old or whatever. They went eight and nine. Uh, basically, everything around him was not very good. His offensive line was terrible. The scheme they were running was not working very well. Mike Evans and uh, Chris Godwin and Cameron Brate were not fantastic as wide receivers. Uh, Everything was kind of going on around him as well off the field. So, you know, whatever. He still threw the most completions and attempts he ever had in his entire career. And he was 45 years old. He was 66.8% completion percentage, which is not terrible. Uh, Not the greatest he's ever had, but also not the worst. Very middle of the pack. Uh, He had uh, 4,694 yards. 25 pass interse- or uh, touchdowns to nine interceptions really not terrible his average yard per attempt was the lowest i think in his career since like 2002 or something like that if i remember correctly he had a 6.5 average yard uh, average yards per attempt which is the lowest uh since 2002 like 2 years after his rookie year so you know I, he's still a good player uh, he won M- yeah, he won an mvp at the age of 40 so and and he's still slinging it around. Like I said, the most attempts that he's ever had in his entire football career, he had this season. So I'm not out of it's not out of the realm of possibility to see him come back and actually play, bud. But please, can we just just let him announce it? You know, I don't know I don't know if we need the rumors. You know what I mean? Let's just let him announce it for now. Please, let's stop talking about. It. I'm do I'm doing it right now, honestly, but only because I mean. If Tom Brady comes back, we he arguably the best free agent on the market right now. Am I wrong? Uh, franchise uh, Lamar Jackson just got franchise tags, so uh, they would have to trade for him. Somebody would have to trade for him, obviously. I'm pretty sure Daniel Jones just got signed as I was about to start recording, so he's no longer a free agent quarterback anymore. He might Tom Brady, he might be the best quarterback on the market right now as it stands if he were to come back at age 46 to come back and be like, yeah, I'm still playing. Uh, let's do it. Let's see what happens. I, I don't know why he keeps doing this, though. If he wants to keep playing, just keep playing. Like, I don't get it. Why, why are we getting rumors that he still got the urge to play? Of course, he still got the urge to play. He said he wanted to play till he was 50. I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that basically everything around him collapsed into oblivion, obviously, off the field. So he took a step back from football a little bit, kind of analyzed the rest of the world at the moment, see what he could do, what he could not do. There were talks of him trying to become a stand-up comedian, which I have no idea how that would work. I don't know if... Uh, Tom Brady's really the best in the world, uh, in my opinion, at being a stand-up comic. I've never seen him, but who knows? Who who knows? He could, he could be the greatest of all time at that, too, just like he's the greatest of all time at football. Can you imagine if he came out and was a stand-up comedian and ended up being the greatest stand-up comedian of all time? What would be left for us if he ended up being the greatest stand-up comedian of all time? That would be that would be something, huh? Uh, he he was trying. There were rumors about that he was trying to get Giselle back as well. His his ex-wife, obviously, they divorced amidst other things. It wasn't just football, but there was clearly trouble going on uh, in Paradise, if you will, around the household. And uh, there was rumors going about that he was going to try to win her back. And uh, maybe at this point he stepped back. Maybe there's not even any legitimacy to the rumors. But the fact that the rumors are out there shows that there is maybe. And the fact that Stephen A. is reporting on it, uh, you know, and like I said, he's got reach. He's got people that he can talk to, obviously. He is famous enough that he can get into the get into the uh, the pockets of anybody, if you will. You know, be able to talk to basically anybody. So, if it's from Stephen A., I'm not going to dismiss it because I think he has the ability to get that information from uh, very credible sources. But at the same time. I can't imagine Tom Brady would retire, then take whatever it was, one month. I don't even know how long ago it was. Was it before the big of the Super Bowl or was it after the Super Bowl? I think it was before the Super Bowl. So we'll say two months ago. All uh, right, not two months ago, one month ago, basically. Uh, and now, a month later, he's like, yeah, I still have the urge. I'm coming back. I'm like, come on, Tom, what are we doing here? What What are we doing here? There's a lot of advanced analytics that would say he probably he did not have a great year last year, but... I still think it's possible. I don't think he goes back to Tampa Bay, especially with the way that they they ended the 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 year there. Eight and nine got blown out by the Cowboys in the playoffs. I think there are plenty of other opportunities you can go to. You can go to Miami, which was the original plan for Tom in that entire situation. He was going to go to Miami, become a part partial owner uh, partial owner, become part of the ownership group and still quarterback at the same time. I think that's something he still wants to do. I I can't imagine uh, him getting caught trying to do that and the Dolphins getting punished for it. I can't imagine that wavered his idea of becoming some sort of an owner and still playing football on the same. I mean, he would be the first, I think, the first quarterback to ever do that. So I I can't imagine he would just put that to the side after that. Like, I'm sure he still has that uh, that that ambition to try to become an owner and also quarterback at the same time, just because it would be the first time we'd ever seen anything like that. Uh, And I would argue that he'd still probably be pretty successful in that venture as well, especially if he's going to Miami. Mike McDaniel, oh, Mike McDaniel. Serving stuff up for Tom Brady and Tyree Hill together, Jalen Waddle as well. That he. oh, now I'm getting into it. Now I'm like Tom. I mean, if you can get in the Dolphins come back, bro, I would like to see that. Tyree Hill, Jalen Waddle, one of the one of the fastest teams in the league, creating open space with that with those guys with Tom Brady throwing to you. Oh my God, that team would be so much fun to watch. Uh, they were fun to watch last year, and Tua Tagovailoa was their quarterback. No, no shade or towards Tua, but I mean, he's not Tom Brady at forty six years old, so. I mean, I would be down to see that. And I think that'd be a cool game. That'd be, I, you know what, you know what, Tom, come on back. If you're going, if you're coming back, go to the Dolphins. Come on back. Let's see it. I, I would like to see it, please. I've completely switched my position. Let's just, Tom, come on back. Go to the Dolphins just for one year. Then you can be an owner in Miami, live in Miami, like apparently you've always wanted to. Uh, you can live there and be an owner. And you'd still be around the game of football. Take an take an office or whatever. Here's a question for you: If Tom Brady goes down to Miami and gets there one year, just one single year because has a MVP caliber year. doesn't even have to win the MVP, but ends up like top three in MVP voting voting because I don't think he's going to be able to put up the same numbers that like a Patrick Mahomes can or anything like that at his age. I still, I do think there is a limit to his age and I think it's, you know, being able to compete in terms of numbers with Patrick Mahomes. But if he has an MVP caliber season, he leads the Dolphins to a, uh, a, a Bowl victory. They go 14 and two, or or I guess 14 and three, 15 and two, or whatever the, the the number is uh, on the regular season. Does he become the greatest Dolphins quarterback of all time? I know Dan Marino, Dan Marino is the greatest Dolphins quarterback of all time. No dispute there. As of right now, no dispute there. But if Tom Brady comes in for one season with all with everything that he has done, he comes in for one season and is able to put together a 15 2 record MVP caliber season. Wins the Super Bowl for the Dolphins for the first time since was 1973, the year after the undefeated season. They they won back to back. So nineteen seventy three was the last year. If they were able to do I guess a better question would be would they would, would Dolphins fans rather have the one year where you win the Super Bowl with Tom Brady? go 15 and 2 he has an mvp caliber year or whatever or the entire career of Dan Marino. He didn't win anything. They didn't win any super bowls. They were fan- they were good teams. I mean, it's not like they were a bad team when when they were uh when they were with uh, Dan Marino, but at the same time, you're talking about uh, their first super bowl since 1974. Does that I mean that that's an interesting prospect in my opinion. I think uh, I think Dolphins fans would really have to ponder that. I get it Dan Marino, like I'm not trying to diminish Dan Marino. I I would say he was very 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 ahead of his time to be honest with you. I think he's probably top 5 quarterback of all time and strictly because he was so far ahead of his time. He you could look at his numbers back in the day and uh, compared to other people that were around him and you see a lot of what we see today in Dan Marino back in the early 80s, which was something that was very different back then. Um, but then again, didn't win anything, wasn't able to win a Super Bowl. Unfortunately, he's won. He won a single AP, uh, a single MVP, obviously, back in 1984. Uh, but I mean, if Tom Brady comes in, goes 15 and two, wins a Super Bowl, has an MVP caliber year, one of those vintage mvp caliber caliber years like similar i mean he's not gonna have another you know tom brady randy moss year 2007 but even around that you know uh, uh similar to you know when he was 39 when he won mvp as well with tampa Bay or with uh towards the latter years of new england i i, I mean the dolphins dolphins that have something to think about like do you hang up i know uh 12 is already hung in the rafters uh in in uh, miami for bob greasy but I mean, are, are you not giving Tom Brady the 12? You know, are you not giving him the number 12? Is Bob Greasy really going to say no to Tom Brady about wearing 12? I don't know. That's a whole other conversation for a different day. Who knows if he even goes to the Dolphins, even though he's had very clear intentions to try to get to Miami uh, before before this season and before uh, he retired. But who knows? That first retirement, by the way, if, if you really pay attention to what was going on around the NFL at the time, it was a story that was really not getting a whole lot of traction. He wasn't really retiring. In that first time, he was basically saying goodbye to Tampa Bay uh, to get out of the the situation in Tampa Bay. So he'd go to Miami and become part of the ownership group there. And then quarterback at the same time, you go back and read the the reporting around all of that, as well as even his uh, retirement speech that he had. He was basically saying goodbye. That's why so many New England fans were angry about the retirement note, because it was basically him saying goodbye to Tampa Bay. And that's what it was. Everybody saw it as a retirement note. But he was basically just saying goodbye to Tampa Bay so he could continue his career in Miami, become a part of the ownership group, and then go on and quarterback there. But then the NFL caught wind of what they were trying to do. The NFL kind of shut it down because they saw it as more of a, I think they saw it more as tampering, essentially, Uh, and Miami got in trouble for it. They lost a couple draft picks, then he went back to Tampa Bay, and he played again that season. So that first time didn't even count as a retirement because he was just trying to move. He was trying to get out of Tampa Bay, essentially, so he could go play in Miami. And everybody kind of saw it as uh, a, I don't even remember. I think he probably, he probably mentioned that he was retiring, but it was more of just a goodbye letter to Tampa Bay. So he could go on to play in Miami. It was one of the weirder. Uh, I, I'm i surprised wasn't covered more stories during that, uh, that offseason. I guess it was two years ago that that was going on. It was, it was pretty crazy that that was something that was uh, actually being, being uh, talked about on, uh, I mean, basically everywhere in the NFL that Tom Brady was going to ditch Tampa Bay to go to Miami and become an owner and quarterback at the same time. So maybe he can do it this time without the tampering. He was officially retired. He's out of the contract in Tampa Bay anyway. So he could come back and come a uh, Miami Dolphin partially own the team and uh quarterback for the Miami Dolphins at the age of 46, which back in Dan Marino's time would have been insane at 46 year old, 46 years old and trying to, trying to compete at that level of 46. But here we are. He's the greatest of all time. I have, Literally, no doubt that he could come back and still perform because I mean it's Tom Brady. It doesn't feel like there's any there's ever going to be any drop off. It feels like he's going to have to be in or on a walker or in a wheelchair or something like that at the age of 86 before I believe he can't play football anymore. I mean that's just where we're at with Tom Brady. So it's just you know I, I don't know what to think anymore. I don't know what to do with Tom Brady, ladies and gentlemen. It is time for a break to hear from one of our sponsors. That is right. A sponsor of the program. We have our first sponsor on this program in the history of the program, and it is Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Now, look, ladies and gentlemen, I get it. You got to navigate the real estate market. It is impossible. Everybody on House Hunters makes it look super easy. They just go into three different houses and they pick the house they want. Boom, bang, boom. Episode's over. They have a house. It's not that easy, ladies and gentlemen. And Jack and Kathleen Wood will be able to help you throughout that process. And even the people in House Hunters, they have a real estate agent. And these people, Jack Wood, Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate could be your House Hunter-esque real estate agent. So if you're looking to buy real estate, sell real estate in the Sheridan area, these are the two people you should call. Jack at 307-763-1249 and Kathleen at 307 461 720 Three. So listeners, one of the only things I'll ask from you is to support the people that support the show, and that includes these two, Jack and Kathleen Wood at 307 Real Estate. Thank you very much for the sponsorship, and make sure you contact them for all of your real estate needs at 307-763-1249 and 307-461-7203. Okay, let's move on from the TB talk, the Tom Brady talk, and we're we're going to talk about something, okay? We're going to talk about something else. It's baseball-related. NFL offseason, it is kicking off. We just had the Combine. I don't love talking about the Combine because it's... You know, I, there's not a lot. You can get certain things if you're an NFL scout, obviously off of what's going on there, but I'm not smart enough in the NFL world or the football world to take a lot of what was going on uh, during the combine and usually, and, you know, put it towards something in football related, you know, I'm not good enough at that to talk about the combine. So I'm going to skip the combine for now. We'll talk about the draft when we get closer to it. Obviously Anthony Richardson, though, I will say looks like a freak, an absolute, an absolute animal. I he looks like one of the craziest boomer bust uh, prospects that we've seen out of College Football in a while. Uh and his stock has just jumped like crazy just because of how much uh uh how much you know how many clips or whatever, how much tape has been circulating around him and then he had a great a great combine as well. So, uh, you know, that that's one to keep an eye on. Anthony Richardson, uh he's uh he's a quarterback from Florida for those of you that don't know and he is uh his stock has skyrocketed. I cannot believe how much he is uh he has uh, skyrocketed up draft charts. But no We're not talking about that anymore. We're not talking about that today. We're talking about something else. Starts tonight, Tuesday, the 7th, for those listening later on, uh, late my time. I think it's like nine o'clock when uh, when the first pitch goes out. It is the World Baseball Classic. One of my favorite tournaments in all of sports, to be honest with you. I like it personally more than the World Cup, just because I like baseball more, obviously. It probably needs a little bit better of a name, to be honest with you. The World Baseball Classic doesn't really connote. you know, something like the World Cup does, I, in my opinion. It could just be because of pedigree, which is fair. I mean, the World Cup of Soccer has been around longer uh, and a bigger tournament worldwide, obviously. But, I mean, the World Baseball Classic is fun to watch, especially... Well, And the other problem the World Baseball Classic had for a long time is not a lot of the best players were playing in it, but I think now... Uh, for whatever reason, it's getting a lot more popularity. I think baseball, well, professional baseball players, especially in the MLB, are starting to see it more and more as the World Cup for baseball. And I think it's a really good idea to have this kind of tournament for baseball. Try to mesh, because it is an international game. Uh, I mean, not necessarily as, I mean, not even close to as big as soccer, obviously. But in like the tropical regions down south, it is a very big game. Your Dominican Republics, your Puerto Rico's, uh, your, your go to Asia, China, obviously, Japan, Korea. Uh, Chinese Taipei as well. I mean, they're all big games there. It's an international game, not as much as soccer. obviously, it's not very big in Europe. They have their cricket there. boring. even though Great Britain does have a uh, Great Britain does have a baseball team. and that is the first team that the u s. plays actually. I think it's on the eleventh, if I remember correctly, Tuesday, eleventh, something like that. It might be this weekend, actually, I could be wrong about that. Yeah, look it up. Yeah, whatever it's close. It's the first game that they play though. they play Great Britain. If we lose that game, baseball has to be canceled. This is an actual rule, not really. I'm making this up. Uh, if if Great Britain wins that game, we have to cancel the entire MLB season. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Uh, if we if we lose to Great Britain in the World Baseball Classic, uh, then we I think we have to cancel the entire MLB season. I think we just need to put baseball on hold, really evaluate where it sits in our community and in our world in the United States of America before we can continue. So, but. We shouldn't. We should win that game. We should win that game handily playing Great Britain. They don't have a great team, to be honest with you. They're more cricket people. And uh, you know, we'll see what happens there. But let's go through each pool. Okay, there are there are four pools, just like uh in soccer. I mean similar ways in soccer. Pool A, uh probably the weakest pool of the tournament. Uh Cuba's the favorite to come out of this group and to win the tournament at, at plus 2,000 basically to move on it, plus uh, 2,000 to go on to win the tournament. But they're the favorite to get out of this group. Uh, they might have the best squad overall in this group. They're coming in with Juan Moncada, Luis Robert uh, two White Sox guys and get this. This is going to surprise a lot of people. A lot of people are going to be like, wait, that guy. And I, 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 heard this the other night and I doubled, I had to double check as well. Yoannis Cespedes is an active player for the squad. Yes. That Ioannis Cespedes, the guy that hasn't played since 2020, I want to say, he played a little bit in 2018, or he played in 2018, 2019, he got hurt. 2020, he tried to come back, but he decided to opt out because of the COVID year. And then he basically just disappeared off a cliff off the face of planet Earth. I had no idea what happened to Ioannis Cespedes. I thought he could have been playing at the time. I don't know how good he was. I mean, people know better than me. Obviously, he hasn't been on a team, so they think otherwise. But guess what? Cuba said, come on back. You're going to be an outfielder for us, Ioannis Cespedes. You're going to be playing for us. You know what? It'll be interesting to see. I don't know if Ioannis Cespedes really has. I mean, he's a little bit older, obviously, a little bit older than, I mean, obvi- I'm saying something super obvious. He's older than he was in 2018. Uh, we'll see if he still has that cannon. He was not a great fielder when he left the game in 2018, but he still had he still had the arm to to match it. He, he has many, many, many uh, highlight-worthy throws from uh, his time in the MLB. So we'll see if he still got it. We'll see if Ioannis can still come out there and, and uh, play like a, the outfielder that we used to see him as, but they still got Johan Mankata. Luis Robert is a solid outfielder as well. We'll see him in center field almost certainly, and Johan Makata, basically an infield utility man, can play anywhere, and he's a switcher. They both play for Chicago, uh, the Chicago White Sox. So, Cuba the favorite. Uh, the Netherlands, though, might be a sleeper to get out of this pool, to be honest with you. Not a great rotation. Decent pull, uh, some decent bullpen names, Kenley Jansen, Pedro Stroop, uh formerly of the Cubs. Kenley Jansen now with the Red Sox, and their infield is actually – Pretty solid, to be honest with you. Xander Bogarts, who is now a Padre. That hurts me to my core to say that. Uh, Xander Bogarts is a Padre, though. He's playing on this team. And then they got D.D. Gregorius as well, as with the uh, the Phillies. He's still good playing, going strong. A little bit older for a middle infielder, but he's still going strong, still playing with the Phillies. Uh, Jonathan Scope, Andrelton Simmons, as well as Jerks and Profar in the outfield as well. He could make some noise. Their, their uh, rotation is nothing to really... Uh, you know, uh, be stunned about obviously, but they're decent, decent infield in terms of uh, their ability to hit the ball. So we'll see what the ne- the Dutch can do. Uh, and then if you're a hater, let me tell you something. If you're a hater of the exit velocity, if you loved baseball, good old baseball from the 1940s and 50s, you're a hater of exit velocity and launch angle, uh, the launch eye angle style of play that we uh, play baseball today. Boy, oh boy, do I have the team for you, the Italians, ladies and gentlemen, the Italians. The Italians, the Italian baseball team, they have just four players on their offense that sit above six foot, 200 pounds, just four, six foot, 200 pounds. They're going to nickel and dime you to death with guys like Nicky Lopez, who's had almost 1,500 career at bats and five total home runs throughout his entire career, 1,500 at bats and only five total career home runs. David Fletcher, almost 2,000 career at bats and only 14 home runs in the major leagues. Uh, they're gonna nickel and dime you to death. Most of these guys on this team, they're basically six foot and a low, six foot, buck eighty. Uh, these guys love to just smack the ball opposite field, try to put one down the line, get a scramble it out for a double. If you love the game back in the good old days, back when it was when it was the real America's game, if you will, then this is the team. For you for all the old he- the all all the old heads out there this is the team for you you're going to be want to watch you're going to want to watch Italy because that is what they they are going to specialize in trying to just hit the holes bust it out for singles get two men on and then Vinny Pascantino who is basically the six foot four 245 guy on their team is going to be the lone guy that's going to have probably more than five home runs in this tournament because that's all he does so he's a, he's the home run hitter he's the first baseman out of the Royals out of, out of Kansas City a pretty decent prospect to be honest with you he should be pretty good um, and he is the, the the big home run guy on this team. And uh, we'll see him driving in. I would imagine a lot of uh, a lot of runners. It's guys like Nicky Lopez, David Fletcher, who are on base machines. Um, and both, they should, honestly, they should have a lot of stolen bases too. So if you're looking at like, if there's a, a prop or something like that for uh stolen bases for Italy, just Italy stolen bases over under, I would hit the over on that because they are going to be playing small ball. That is literally what they do. They are a small ball team. The Italy is the team of small guys for small ball, you know what I'm saying? That's that's what they're going to do in pool A. I don't think they're going to come out of pool A. I don't think they're very good. I just think uh, you know, it's kind of funny to see the the type of team that they've put together, that they've had to put together honestly. Uh they are a team of the old days if you will uh in baseball. So I think Cuba's probably going to come out of uh out of pool A, but I don't see them getting any very much further than this. It's like I said, this is probably the weakest pool of the entire tournament. So let's move on. Pool B, Japan They're the favorites to come out of this. Uh, I think it's them plus 225 right now. And that was plus 1600 who was uh, Korea was plus 1600. The next favorite to get out of the group Uh, and Japan. They're going to be very good. Shohei Otani, the best player in this entire tournament, the best player on planet earth. He's going to be a $500 million man. Uh, He's perfect. He's exceptional. He's fantastic. Basically everything I've ever needed to say about Shohei Otani. I've said before. So you guys already know about Shohei. He hit two home runs in an exhibition game just the other day uh in order to prepare for this tournament. Uh and uh I mean he's great and he's gonna pitch as well, obviously, because he's a two-way player. Uh and you know, just expect great things from Shohei, obviously. They're gonna have a crazy good rotation in Japan too, not to mention. Uh they're gonna have Otani obviously as their number one. They're gonna have Yu Darvish as well as their number two. That's a pretty solid number one too. And then they have Roki Sasaka as well, basically a Japanese phenom that is more than likely going to make it to the major leagues at some point. Uh, he's very young, uh, but he is a phenom. He basically almost, he almost had two back-to-back perfect games when he was pitching not too long ago. Uh, he's going to be very good. And then Korea is also in there. We talked about them a little bit already. Um, but they're going to come in with a couple of KBO superstars um, in the Korean from the Korean Baseball League. So... Uh, expect that from Korea as well, but Japan, Japan seems like the team to, uh, to bet on if you're going to bet on anybody to come out of this pool as well, at least they're the favorites as of right now, uh, pool C. It's basically U.S. baby. That's the United States pool baby. Uh, U.S. their favorites to come out of this. They're the uh, almost their second favorites right now, I think, from last time I looked to uh, to win the whole dang thing. Uh, they're pro- this is probably the best United States team we've ever had when it comes to the WBC. Five combined MVP awards between Trout, Betts, Goldschmidt, not to mention guys like J.T. Realmuto, arguably the best catcher in the game. Pete Alonso, Tim Anderson, Nolan Arenado. Uh, Trey Turner as well, Jeff McNeil in the outfield, Seti, Cedric Mullins, Kyle Schwarber. You know the list goes on and on. Kyle Tucker as well. It's a solid lineup for the for the WBC United States team. Only darks are only only you know spot that they could be could be uh, could be hurt on is their starting pitching isn't the greatest. Lancelin, solid pitcher. Merrill Kelly, solid pitcher. Adam Wainwright getting up there a little bit, still pretty good last time out with the with the Cardinals. Well, I mean last season, I guess is what I should say. Uh, Miles Mikolas as well as a starter. So. Not, you know, dominant arms coming out of uh, the rotation, but I, you know, veterans and Adam Wainwright, Miles Nicholas has been around for a while. I feel, it feels like Miles Nicholas, it just feels like it's been around. Lance Lynn as well. Um, So, you know, veterans out of the rotation, they have a very good bullpen though. Kendall Graveman's very good. David, uh, David Bednar is very good. Daniel Bard is very good. You know, the list goes on and on. Nick Martinez is very good. Ryan Presley from Houston, Uh, you know, Devin Williams as well, if he can come back. Uh, from the Brewers as well should be a very good bullpen team Uh, maybe lean on that a little bit more than their rotation I would I would expect Um, but we'll see very good team, uh, One of the, probably easily, I would say, the best U.S. team that we've ever had. Uh, and then we also got in that C pool, um, Mexico. Mexico is probably going to be a little bit better than we would expect, to be honest with you. Uh, Jose Arquiti, uh, their pitching staff is going to be very good. Jose Arquiti, Julio Urias, Giovanni Gallegos, just to name a few. A couple of solid infielders as well, up-and-comer Alec Thomas in the Diamondbacks. Uh, organization Randy Orozarena, who's looking for maybe a little bit i mean i, I don't know how much of the expectations you can kind of lean on from the 2020 playoff run that he had but he's still i would say a star in that tampa bay organization as well alex verdugo from boston rowdy telez Luis urias as well uh so a couple of you know pretty good 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 names in there for mexico not anywhere near as good as the u.s team just in terms of talent and name uh and names i would say but Maybe they could surprise. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect them to do anything else other than surprise in this tournament. Uh, because a couple of good names in there, uh, and then let's move to Pool D. Pool D. This is. Uh, this is the pool of death. Every soccer tournament's got a pool of death. This is the pool of death for the WBC. Dominican Republic, the leader to get out of this. Uh, get out of this pool and win the entire thing. To be honest with you, the Dominicans are arguably the best squad in the history of this event. Just period. Not just Dominican Republic in that entire history of this event. They might have. The best lineup uh, that we've ever seen. Uh, They got guys like Manny Machado, Julio Rodriguez, as well as Wander Franco, uh, Ketel Marte, Jeremy Pena, World Series MVP, uh, Heimer Condolario, Willie Adamas, Robinson Cano, old man Robinson Cano Cano is still in here, Rafi Devers, uh, stacked infield, Teoscar Hernandez in the outfield, Eloy Jimenez in the outfield as well, Juan Soto in the outfield as well, designated hitter. Nelson Cruz, old man Nelson Cruz as the designated hitter as well. Still could get it done, Nelson Cruz. I'm not not bashing towards him anyway. He could still get it done. He had a couple dingers here and there. Uh, catchers, Gary Sanchez, Francisco Mejia. Very, very, very good lineup. They got Gregory Soto in the bullpen as well. Hector Neris in the bullpen as well. Rafael Montero. Uh, Christian Javier as a starter, Luis Garcia as a starter, I believe. I think that's right, uh, Luis Garcia as a starter. Camillo Duval as a as a relief guy as well, Diego Castillo. A, a insane team. And then not to mention, to cap it all off, if you weren't convinced yet, Sandy Alcantara will be their number one out of the rotation. The NL Cy Young winner in Miami, he is their number one guy out of uh, out of the rotation. A truly insane team. That was just naming a few. They've got a ton of really good players on this team. And, uh, I mean, they should come out of this pool. But, again, it's the pool of death. It is the pool of death. Behind them, they got Puerto Rico. They're sporting Frankie Lindor, Javier Baez, uh, Jose Barrios, Kike Hernandez, and Marcus Stroman. Who knows what could happen there? Uh, Dominican Republic, I should mention also, Dominican Republic, they did have Vlad Guerrero Jr. coming in at Saventa well. But he got hurt. So he is out of uh, the entire WBC because of that. Uh, and he he's because he got hurt. So maybe a little bit of an opening there for some other teams. So Puerto Rico, like I said. Javi ba- Baez, Frankie Lindor, Jose Barrios, Kike uh, Hernandez, Marcus Stroman. They should make some noise. Venezuela got a loaded inv- uh, infield in Venezuela. Jose Altuve, Luis Arraz, uh, Eduardo Escobar, Andres Jimenez, Eugenio y- Suarez, and Gleyber Torres, all solid players. Eugenio uh, Suarez could possibly have an MVP-type tournament if he, he ends up getting hot and starts raking, just hitting home run after home run, which is what something we saw him do uh, towards the end of the season last year. Uh, and then Eduardo Escobar, switch hitter. He should be very good. Luis Arraz. He was the, the batting champion last year for the twins. So, I mean, that team could get hot as well and make a run as well. And a possible comeback for the Venezuelan and Ronald Acuna Jr. He, you know, comeback is maybe a strong word, but he, you know, he was a little, he's been a little bit quiet since he got hurt uh, back in so 2021. If I remember correctly, that he got hurt 2020. He was, you know, 2020 is kind of a wash, but the years before that, he was having good years, got hurt in 2021. Hasn't really been himself to be honest with you, since then. Uh, could be a, a, a springboard, if you will, in the WBC for Ronald Coon Jr. Get hot, go into the regular season, really start to uh, play like his former self. It's not easy to come back from an ACL tear, obviously, um, but we'll see if he can use that as a springboard. And maybe a little bit of a swan song. I don't know if this is the final year for him, but we'll see. Uh, Miguel Cabrera, he's still playing. He's going to be the DH for Venezuela. Uh, we'll see if he's approaching retirement. I don't think he's really talked a lot about it. Uh, he's still, I mean, he's up there. He's up there in age. Uh, he's not exactly hitting for the triple crown like he used to be doing, uh, but he's still, you know, providing some sort of offense or the Tigers wouldn't have him. Uh, And they're bringing him back for the WBC as well. So we'll see what Mickey can do. Uh, and maybe a little bit of a swan song. If he can make a, a big run, if they could, that entire team can make a big run. Maybe uh, Miguel Cabrera celebrated, as the captain that led Venezuela to their uh, to their championship in the WBC, I think the the best finish that they've had it was back in two thousand nine. It was third place. That would have been prime Miggy years. Uh, so we'll see if maybe they can make a bounce back, do a little swan song if you will for Miguel, uh, and we'll see what happens. I don't know. I'm interested to see Puerto Rico. Excuse me, not Puerto Rico. Uh, Dominican Republic. I think the last time that they finished, what they finished. Uh, last time the they had fifth in 2017, and then they were first. They won the whole thing back in 2013. They've always had a pretty solid team down in the DR. Um, so we'll see what happens. WBC, it's yeah, like I said, it is a fantastic tournament. I honestly wish the uh, the the WBC was around like every two years instead of every four years. I guess that would kind of take uh, the glitz and glamour of it a little away a little bit. Sure, uh, but this just feels like something that the world of baseball could kind of dominate. Similar to what soccer does. Uh, and obviously not on the same scale, but the NFL could not do something like this because there's not enough international players that play it. Uh, basketball could, but we've already seen that. It's almost gotten boring for basketball to this point because we're basically sending college guys for the U.S. team to, to, the, to the FIBA World Championships uh, because of uh, how one-sided it has become. They had they have the NBA guys come out for the Olympic Games, obviously, uh, but, I mean, that's about it, and it's kind of become a joke at that point with uh, the NBA guys. They go They go in, dominate, get out of there, with the gold medal, this at least, there is some competition for the U.S. team. There's a there's a solid amount of competition for the U.S. team, Dominican Republic, Japan team, uh, a bunch of the other guys in the Dominican Republic's pool, Puerto Rico's good enough, Venezuela's good enough to beat uh, the U.S. team, and so on and so forth. So I wish they would use this a little bit more as an opportunity for baseball, to be honest with you, because it is really something that the baseball community could uh, dominate in the same realm that soccer dominates this sort of area uh, on the world stage, if you will, um, and not just the U S dominating. I'm just talking about the sport in general could really become a focal point with a tournament like this. And especially in the world that we live in today, uh, with everything on Twitter, everything on TikTok, and get your clutch plays and stuff like that, your big home runs, and it could pop off on any of those. And you're just becoming, you're just instantly just like that, uh, making a fan of baseball because of you're seeing, you know, whoever Mike Trout. Get a huge home run for his country in the bottom of the ninth against uh, Japan in the knockout rounds or something like that. It's just I I think it's something that would be really cool to see more of. To be honest with you, instead of just the four year cycle that we have already uh, for the World Baseball Classic. But we'll see. We have it this year, and that's all that matters. I think the first game. Well, the first games start tonight. uh, It is Cuba versus the Netherlands, if I remember correctly, and then. uh, as the uh, as the kind of tip off game, if you will, the Cuba versus Netherlands game is sort of sort of the tip off game tonight. It is late, obviously, but it's because they're playing on the other side of the world for some of these games. I believe the 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 U.S. teams are all going to be here in the United States uh, in North America, but some of the pools are playing over in like Taiwan and Japan and stuff like that. So there will be some super late games uh, if you do want to end up watching them. They will be late. This one starts at 9 p.m. Sheridan time. So. Uh, If you're still up by then, obviously, I'll still be up. I'll watch first pitch. Probably won't finish the whole game. because They don't have any of the pitch pitch clock rules or anything like that, so this could go for a long time. Uh, So I might go to bed before the game's over. But it's the first uh, first legitimate baseball game that we're getting so far this season, and I'm excited to see it. And then uh, the uh, U.S. plays first. Their first game is... On Saturday, Saturday, March 11th, this upcoming Saturday, we're taking on Great Britain. I talked about that already. Uh, and uh, we already drew them once in their beloved football and their beloved soccer. So we could put the beaten down on Great Britain in uh, the WBC in baseball. And I think we have officially have won the war of 2023. 2023 whatever you want to call it basically 2020 basically the last four months it was a a war between two sports and uh, if we were able to draw against them in soccer and beat them in baseball then I'd say it's a wrap ladies and gentlemen we're the better we're the better country (laughs) Uh, so yeah that's their first game the schedule is all on WBC check it out on uh, MLB.com uh, and, you know, pool play and the knockout stages and so on and so forth. I think the, the the entire thing, I mean, they don't go into the regular season, obviously, for this game or for this uh, for this WBC. So I think it ends like the 25th of March, maybe even before that, to be honest with you. Uh, it's not a very long tournament, nothing like the, the World Cup or anything like that, where it lasts basically a month and a half. It's a lot shorter than that. It's basically like half a month, essentially, a little bit more than that. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see if the U.S. can pull it off, if they can win it. They're the defending champs of this whole dang thing. We'll see if they can make it back-to-back, if they can go twofer in the last uh, eight years, I guess, essentially. Uh, So we'll see. First game on Saturday. I'm super excited. Let's see it. Let's get it done. USA, I believe that we will win. Okay, let's move on. Uh, We're going to talk a little F1, ladies and gentlemen. F1 was finally back. I've been waiting Waiting, I've been waiting and waiting and waiting. Uh, you know, Drive to Survive came out not too long ago, so I've been using that to kind of cleanse the palate, if you will. Watching that a little bit, even though it's not necessarily—I mean, they call it a docu-series. That's like a a stretch of a stretch of the term documentary, honestly. Um, you know, they they like to create, I think, a little bit in the in the Netflix documentary, but still fun to watch, regardless. Uh, and this week we had our first race of the 2023 season. It was in Bahrain. Uh, and, uh, it basically went about as well as you would think, uh, Verstappen Perez for the Red Bull team, completely dominated, uh, Verstappen started in first, he was in pole position and he didn't fall behind the entire race. He was in first from the beginning to the end. No problem. Finished 12 seconds ahead of teammate Checo Perez, uh, I believe by lap six or something like that. And uh, like super early on, maybe a little bit later than that, like lap. 14 or something like that uh he was like six seconds ahead already of second place by that at that point unless something catastrophic had gone wrong it was verstappen for the the, the entire time there was no issues he was going to win uh they, i think they were basically telling him uh the the red bull team was basically telling him to uh run it on you know the the engine at the lowest possible power as you could just get to the ending because you're so far ahead of everybody else right now uh so that's basically honestly that's kind of how it feels like that's good what, what's going to Go on for the rest of the season, to be honest with you. We'll have a little bit more, some overreactions here in just a little bit. Uh, but I mean, that's a little preview that feels like that's more of what we're going to see from that Red Bull team. Uh Fernando Alonso, the goat. Not really. Uh Everybody likes to call him the goat. Not the greatest of all time. He's a three-time world champion. One of the, one of the great rising drivers of all time in F1, no doubt. Uh, but I mean, Lewis Hamilton is the goat seven-time world champion, you know, it uh, weighs a little bit different, but had a fantastic race for the first year, first first race of the season. Finished third on the podium in the Aston Martin. Aston Martin uh, flying above expectations, I would say. Oh, Mike Crack, that's a real name. That's the team principal. His name is Mike Crack. I'll let that sit with you for a little bit. Mike Crack and co., were flying around the track. Fernando Alonso, Lance Stroll. Uh, Lance Stroll did hit Fernando Alonso in the very first turn of the race. I thought that was going to be a complete disaster. I thought Aston Martin was going to be back on their dummy stuff, but uh, they pulled it out. Fernando Alonso was able to recover. Uh, Lance Stroll, also absolute hero. He was racing on uh, with like pins in his wrist. He was in a bike accident uh, preparing for these Grand for the season essentially, and he got into a bike wreck, um, like a bicycle accident. He had to put pins in his wrist, I think he had a broken toe or something ridiculous like that. Dude was a hero finishing the points. Uh, it was a fantastic drive for Lance Stroll, all things considered. But Fernando Alonso, uh, the better teammate, I mean, better racer overall, uh, yesterday or I guess, excuse me, Sunday. Um, so congrats to Fernando Alonso, a, po- a podium, maybe the sign of things to come for Asset Martin. Very good, a very good job by SMR. I would not be surprised. Uh, well, we'll get to overreactions a little bit more in a second. Uh, Ferrari, McLaren, back on their dummy stuff. Uh, Ferrari, McLaren, disastrous first races. This is Leclerc for Ferrari. Uh, he was battling for podium, third place for most of the race. Uh, then his engine ga- gave out, blew out on the 41st forty uh, first lap. I think there were 56 laps overall, 57 laps, excuse me. On uh, the 41st lap, looked like he was sitting comfortably for third place. They were going to get points. Uh, he was going to get on the podium in Bahrain. And boom, bang, boom! Ferrari's back on their stuff. Engine gives out—a a classic Ferrari moment. Given the past two years, and uh, engine blows out, he has to get out and get on a little moped with some guy in the back. And he was riding him all, riding with him all the way to the uh, all the way to the uh, the pit lane. So disaster for McLaren. But Carlos Sainz—I mean, I, disaster is maybe too strong. Carlos Sainz, the other Ferrari, still able to finish fourth. But I think all in all, given the fact they could have had three, four. Uh, Gone in there with some really good points to start the season. Not great, not great to have uh, uh, Leclerc blow out his engine completely. DNF, no points for him. Carlos Sainz finishes fourth. Uh, and the way Red Bull is driving right now, that's uh, you basically have to be perfect in order to be Red Bull right now, uh, or you're not going to be able to be Red Bull. So you know, not a great start. Uh, McLaren. They had both had both of their cars suffer mechanical problems. Oscar Piastri, he suffered an electronic gearbox failure, which forced him to retire. They tried to switch out his uh, his uh, steering wheel, but it gave him the old blue screen of death. And uh, they said, get out. It's over for you. I'm sorry. His first uh, race with McLaren. And it's a big old stinker, a DNF. Uh, And then Lando Norris, he was having pneumatic issues in his engine. So they had to come in and pit and fill it with air like over and over and over and over again. They caused it it caused him to pit six times throughout the entire race. Obviously, no chance for him. He finished 17th. The other three guys behind him were all DNFs. And that was about the race for McLaren. Not great. Not great for them. A uh, little bit of spell. I mean, they could be the Ferrari of 2023. I don't want to overreact. I mean, I do want to overreact. We're going to get to that in a second. Uh, but that was uh, that was a bad showing for McLaren. And, um, I mean, not a lot of confidence, to be honest with you, in uh, McLaren. Lando, Lando, listen, Lando Norris, one of the best drivers on the grid. He needs to find another team. I wish he was with like Aston Martin or something like that. Or, I mean, he could be racing on a lot of the other better teams, to be honest. He could be racing for Ferrari. I don't know who you'd replace. I don't think it'd be Carlos Sainz. Carlos Sainz is very good. Charles Leclerc, obviously you'd keep him Uh Mercedes Lewis Hamilton. Maybe when Lewis Hamilton retires, it's not too far down the line. I would say would say Lewis. Ham- I mean, there's been talks of retirement for Lewis Hamilton for a while. Possible. If he retires, they bring in Lando. That would be probably a good fit for him. He's English. So that would make sense for Lando Norris to go and, Race for Mercedes if that was the case. Um, But for now, he's got to stick it out with McLaren. That seems like it sucks. So good luck to Lando. He's young. We'll see him. I'm sure he'll dominate at some point uh, the world of F1. But right now in the McLaren, in the stinker that is the McLaren car right now, I don't know how much dominated he's going to be doing. Uh, So uh, And then uh, Pierre Gasly, he finished the race or opened the race in dead last. Uh, He qualified dead last. Uh, I believe because he had a penalty or something like that in qualifying, if I remember correctly, uh, and so he had to start the race in dead last. And he finished in the points, finishing ninth place. Good job for Beer Gasly. Uh, I was a little nervous when I saw him in dead last. I was like, "This is not good. He should be. He's a better driver than this in the Alpine." Uh, Esteban Ocon, as well the other driver for the Alpine, he had a disastrous race. Fifteen second penalty uh, because he came into serve his first penalty, his first five-second penalty. He didn't serve it long enough. It was like four and a half seconds instead of five seconds. And as he go, as he's going out, his pit crew tells him, hey, by the way, uh, we didn't serve that penalty long enough. We got another five-seconder. Then he comes in to serve another one, goes too fast going into the pit lane, so it's another five seconds. So they're up to 15 seconds that they have to serve. And uh, that was basically his race done. But Pierre Gasly, he starts in 20th, able to come all the way back and still score points for Alpine, even though it looked like it was going to be a disastrous day for Alpine because of Esteban Ocon. Uh, and he does it. And they, Pierre Gasly comes all the way back, finishes in ninth place. You know, not first, obviously, but from twentieth to ninth, that's a that's a pretty good day for the Alpine, honestly, for Pierre Gasly. Uh, good for him. Pierre Gasly has a solid racer, I would say. Uh, also looking for. I mean, Alpine looks like they're going to be battling for top uh, top place in the middle section. They kind of have their three sections of racers. You got uh, of constructors, essentially. The first, you know, the big boys, Red Bull. Uh, um, Ferrari and Mercedes, those are your big guys. They're fighting for top three. Basically, you're in, you're out. Those are your three guys you're going to see at the top. Your middle guys that are basically always battling for fourth place, more or less, your Alpines. Uh, McLaren usually is fighting for that fourth place. Alfa Romeo, Aston Martin, those are kind of your your top four. Uh, Aston Martin maybe. Uh, I mean, this year, who knows? We'll get to overreactions in a second. Uh, but your bottom feeders are usually guys like Haas. Alfa Tari has been a little shaky. And then Williams has been dreadful the last few years uh, last few years even though Williams has a histor i mean a history in F1 one of the great constructors in the history of of a Formula 1 they've been pretty bad in recent years uh they only had 8 points total last year in 10th place 8 points compared to Red Bull Racing who won the whole thing uh the, won the constructors cup they had 759 points so you know Williams is a little bit on the short side but with that being said Williams their new driver Logan Sargent, USA Love him. He's he's the goat. Um, I mean, I'm overreacting, but he is a he is you from the U.S. Uh, and he had a, I would say honestly, a decent first race. This is his first race in F1, uh, and he had a pretty good day. He was 12th, uh, finished out of the points. Uh, I think he was basically lapped by uh, Max Verstappen, but I mean, it's Max Verstappen. He was lapping literally almost. He lapped literally almost half the field uh, with what he was doing on Sunday, but um, he was still behind Yuki Sonoda by a bunch. Uh, and so, you know, it wasn't anywhere near the points, but honestly for a first time driving in the F1 people, you've never, you know, had to race against or anything like that uh, in the F1 car, honestly, a, a pretty solid day uh, ending up in 12th behind uh, or in front of guys like Kevin Magnuson, who's been doing this for a while, Nico Hulkenberg, uh, and then Lando as well, because he's had issues a joke on you as well. Nick DeVries, who is new uh, showing out for the new PFU for in front of the couple of the uh, couple of the new guys. And uh, I would say of the new racers. Uh, from the last from this past offseason. I think he was probably probably the best, other than I mean, Piastri had issues because of his car, obviously. So that's probably not a good comparison. But Nick DeVries, he raced better than Nick Nick DeVries, I would say, as well as uh, Nico Hulkenberg. Nico Hulkenberg has raced an F1 before, but it's been a while. Uh, Kevin Magnussen as well. So I, you know, good first race for Logan Sgt. Things are looking up for the for the man from the United States. I'm I'm excited to see how Logan Sgt does in Williams. I don't think Williams is gonna be Very good, to be honest with you, because they haven't shown that they've been very good in recent years. But who knows? I mean, got some new blood in there. Alexander Albin, who used to race a little bit for Red Bull. Uh, He's been kind of slotted in and out of a bunch of different places in recent years. And then Logan Sargent, Sergeant Logan, if you will, uh, the new guy that's coming in for Williams. And I think he's, I mean, who knows? We'll see. Who knows what we'll see from Logan Sargent? He's a new guy. He could just blast onto the scene and uh, become a better racer. But, you know, it is the Williams. Who knows how good they've constructed their car. Uh, but in recent years if recent years are ever are any evidence uh, then uh, the hopes aren't very high for for that uh for that car but we'll see we'll we'll see what happens uh that was just the first race of the year the next race is in uh is in Saudi Arabia at uh, Jeddah and that is a fun race to watch as well because they fly absolutely fly around that track it is one of the fastest uh, one of the fastest tracks in all of Formula One so we'll see what happens that's in two weekends from now seventeenth through the 19th, the race is on the 19th practice and stuff like that is the 17th uh, third practice on the 18th and the qualifying is on the 18th as well, but the race is on the 19th. I'm excited to see what happens in Jetta. Maybe Logan Sargent, who knows? Logan Sargent gets some points for Williams and uh, maybe Ferrari doesn't blow out their engine. I don't know. Now, now we're just getting crazy. Uh, all right, let's wrap it up. I think that's all I have to talk about today. Let me check my notes here. Not a lot going on in the world, to be honest with you in, uh, in basket in um, in the world of sports, there is a lot going on in basketball with the whole John Morant thing. I don't know how much I really want to comment on the entire John Morant's uh, fiasco because that is still kind of an ongoing investigation with what's going on around him. Uh, they're alleging that he, I mean, he had a gun in his Instagram video uh, most recently over this past weekend, and there's an investigation going on in between the NBA right now and him, essentially John Morant. Uh, wondering whether he had that gun on the plane while they were going to uh, their destination where he was in the club uh, with that weapon. And I believe if I remember correctly in the NBA, if you have weaponry of any kind, a gun or anything like that on team premises, so practice facility an NBA, an NBA stadium team plane, anything like that team building, it's an automatic 50 game suspension, which would be a big loss for Memphis, obviously. Um, so John Morant, everything else that's going on around him as well. A lot of the questions of character. Uh, I'm going to wait. I'm going to hold off just a tad bit on that one just because we it's still a developing story. Uh, we don't have everything just yet. Uh, we'll see where that ends up with the NBA's investigation. If we if they announce a suspension and stuff like that, then we'll really start talking about that a little bit more. Uh, And how much of a um, big of a situation that would end up being. Um, So we'll hold off on that just a little bit. Um, Probably possibly next week, the week after who knows when the NBA is done with their investigation. Uh, So we'll see. We'll see with that. But I think for now, that's about it. Ladies and gentlemen, I think we're done uh, talking about sports. I want to thank you very much for tuning into the weekend sports rep podcast. I want to thank Jack and Kathleen Wood from 307 real estate. They are have uh, sponsored this program and i appreciate them very much you've already heard the ad that i did so i'm re- repeating myself very much but thank you very much to them it's uh, it's good to hear that this is at least generating enough buzz around the local area that uh, i'm able to get sponsored for so thank you very much to jack and kathleen wood uh, make sure you give them a bit a big pat on the back a whole a nice old handshake because uh we wouldn't be able to do this without them, so thank you, Jack and Kathleen, for sponsoring this program. I really appreciate it, uh, and I hope you stick around. I appreciate it so much. Um, and everybody else that's listening, um, make sure to rate. That's all I'll ask of you. Make sure to rate the po- the, the program. Make sure to follow the program on uh, Spotify, any of those Apple po- or any of those uh, podcast platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify any of them stitcher wherever you listen to your podcast just make sure you follow the show so you know when we're uploading as well as uh, rate at five stars if you wouldn't mind that would be a great big help to me uh, as well as the podcast growing in general so please be sure to do that uh for now though that's gonna do it this has been the weekend sports Rep podcast and i have been your host james timberlake